2020 marks the 50th birthday of Griffin Theatre Company's home, the Stables Theatre. I'm Angela Caterns. Join us as we celebrate the anniversary in this special series of podcasts where we'll hear about the theatre's history and talk to some of the country's most celebrated artists. In this episode of the Stable's 50th birthday podcast series, we take a look behind the scenes and meet the stage managers. Tanya Leach, Kim Scott and Amy Harris are well-known and highly respected stage managers. Welcome to you all. Thank Thank you. you. What exactly is the role of the stage manager? We all pause. (laughs) (laughs) Because um, it's different for different forms of theatre from a one-man show to an opera with 400 people that you're managing. So the art of stage management can vary, but mostly it's making a show go up on time and keeping everybody safe in performance and in rehearsal, being there to support the creation of performing piece. You mentioned it was an art. Do you agree, Amy, it's an art? Absolutely. I always think that stage management is definitely a creative role. I think that's overlooked often. But we always are the people who are the keepers of the vision. You know, once the show has been made and created with the team, everyone else buggers off and uh, we're left there to cradle that with the cast. And so I think you always have to keep your eyes open. You have to have a creative brain. You have to be able to articulate the process of how you got there and keep the ship pointing in the same direction and afloat. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about calling a show or in the case of being at the stables, operating a show, that it's kind of like you're performing as well and you're breathing with the show and, you know, a split second decision can affect the mood or the temperature of a performance. So it is kind of a craft or an art as well. It's not It's not as mm. simple as just pressing a button or saying some words. No, you have to have rhythm. Yeah. You have to have rhythm, especially if you're calling a musical. You have to be tuned in to the performers. So, yeah, I would say. Well, and in fact, you have to be able to read music, don't you? Yes, you do. Mm. Yep, that's very important. Um, and you have to be on the beat. And if you, if you miss something, it can be dangerous. So, you know, if you're calling a fly cue, it has to be on a particular note. It has to be on that note. No. Oh. Would you say it's more challenging being a stage manager in a tiny theatre like The Stables? Uh, I think it presents different challenges, absolutely. Um, some some things are much easier. Everything's a bit more in reach. And well, you just <laughs> don't have to walk so far. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you can just you know climb on the back of a, of a chair and refocus a lamp or climb down a, a staircase and, and you have all the supplies that you need at your fingertips. Um, One hope. <laughs> there are fewer people um, to ask the question, I guess. But, yeah, it, it, it's a little tough uh, in some instances being the only person there. Mm-hmm. I admire Kim. I, I said to him this morning earlier that I'm a bit frightened to do another Griffin show because <laughs> the technology requires me to be more digitally competent than perhaps I am because I've been doing it for such a long time. I started with reel-to-reel and tapes and manual boards and now it's all computerised and there might be just one thing that I don't know and it, you might be able to start the show. And I, I, mm. I love the idea of having a technician 
nearby, which Kim hasn't got the um, luxury of having at Griffin because he's a one-man band. Mm. And so do you have to be multi-skilled as a stage manager? Yeah, absolutely. You're often head of wardrobe, you're a carpenter, you're an electrician, you're a sound guy, you know, head of props, head of wigs, wigs, (laughs) everything. Yeah, that's right. If anything goes wrong, I mean, you know, especially in Griffin, um, I used to get there with so much time Mm. in because because of that, you need to go through your checks. And I'm not massively technical either. So if there was something that I couldn't solve, you need the time to call a friend Mm. um, and get your production manager in and help you or solve it with your team in a different way mm. okay we're not going to get the projection tonight so this is what we're going to do but uh, yeah yeah head of wigs I mean you do you have to have jack of all trades really and sort of be able to get yourself around most issues yeah. as they present themselves and that's why it's great because we talked about being an art and taking being involved in the creation of work but then we are actually the people who are putting it all together very practically. So it's that great mixture of being the worker and also being in this extraordinarily creative space and being very sensitive to people. And we're often also the ones, as well as doing the, all this practical stuff, who smooth over any tensions in the room mm. and have got an antenna on about artists that need a bit of extra help with how they're feeling and how that's going to be communicated to other people. So often you're the sort of ear of people and you just have to be very discreet but also very uh, optimistic about how things are going to go. Mm. So diplomacy is another skill of, of the stage manager. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're, the stage manager is kind of, you know, always in the middle of and everyone sort of revolves around, you know. There's, it's the communication role as well. So and everyone, you have to do all your scheduling. So every, you need to get everybody's um, two cents in order to make sure that you achieve the most efficient schedule. But definitely uh, you're also the person's, a lot of people's ear and uh, if anything is a problem. And you're right, it is like an antenna. Mm. You have to pick it up before almost they do because that's the most effective way. So you can see when people are starting to crack and then it's just popping in with a cup of tea or let's just take this off your plate or let me just call a friend for you and then we can smooth that out and hopefully not take the bump. Um, And and often getting getting someone out of the rehearsal room before they burst into Mm. tears with some sort of excuse that you tell the director, you know, they have to go to wardrobe or something because you can see that they're just about to have a little meltdown. You don't really <laughs> yeah. want everybody to see. I Kim, guess, you look as if you can identify with that. I was just going to say, I guess what we're saying is that we're problem solvers mm. in every sense of the word. Like um, if there is something technically that we're not necessarily across, and I don't think I necessarily am all the time, I think our problem-solving skill set helps us get through not necessarily knowing exactly how, but we make it work, identifying um, an issue with a person or or learning a skill that we don't necessarily have, like um, wig making. We just, <laughs> we, you know, we problem solve. Yes, and we get creative problem solving. Exactly. Say, okay, just give me, just show me exactly yeah. what to do with that yeah. and that, and I will do it like that every time. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. And becoming 
absolutely obsessed about some weird prop that oh, you, you can't find. Oh, you learn a new skill yeah. in every show. Yeah. And then, just one then for two thing. weeks you're looking in the street <laughs> for some particular, know. you know, yeah. bit of rubbish that yeah. um, the designer sort of wants or the actors are looking for this object. And there's such and... pleasure and pride in getting it as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can you give me an example of something like uh, that? I did a show where we, um, it was Thomas the Tank Engine, um, <laughs> and we had a, a dance a break where they all got these clear umbrellas and there were those cheap ones so they broke constantly so I was constantly looking for clear umbrellas and I tell you what they're everywhere except for when you're looking for mm-hmm. them and I just got to the point where I was like trawling through dollar shops and I'd find one they're like it's the golden <laughs> ticket and I'm like texting him okay I've got one all right who has how many other umbrellas are and now everywhere I go bloody clear umbrellas yeah. Yeah. Like they've multiplied yeah. We have a lot of prop blood in the current show that I'm working on and it has to appear kind of suddenly and out of nowhere in a number of instances. So we have a couple of different solves, but there was one that I just couldn't get for, for weeks and trying to work out how to make this blood just appear. And then I was in Woolworths during production week and I was in the medical aisle and there were these tubes of lube, but they were sitting in this plastic, I guess, display piece of plastic and I saw the the I guess rubbish and thought oh I could use that that's what I need I don't need the lube I just need what they're standing in um so so I took it (laughs) and I cut it up and it's still on the show those kind of successes yeah Tanya can you remember any um I remember going to a workshop for this um play about Catherine McGregor that I did with STC and we'd been looking for a certain sort of chair that the Catherine McGregor character sat on and none of them were right. And anyway, just like half an hour before I got to this final rehearsal of the workshop in the street, you know, someone just left this chair. So I saw it and I thought, oh, that's exactly it. So I sort of carried it for half an hour, you know, because I was walked down to rehearsal and um, it was perfect. So, you know, I think, wow. And someone had been checking it out. That's right. Fantastic. That's right. So you must have experienced a world of difference between stage managing a production of Opera Australia and a Griffin play? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's very, it's totally different because um, those big forces at the opera, they're all these specialist people that we've discussed what stage managers do. Well, in a big company everybody has a job you know you've got a props runner you've got five flymen you've got orchestral management you've got five people in costume and makeup you've got two asms you've got a dsm so there's everybody is doing a very particular job whereas at somewhere like griffin the stage manager takes on all those jobs Mm -hmm. but the general thing about managing a performance the way that we work and the formality that I might have at the opera, I do carry on um, mm. in other places. Mm-hmm. And Kim, I think you worked with the ballet, is that I right? I did, yes. Yeah. I was um, ASM there for a number of years. And so there would also be a world of difference between working at Griffin and, and working with the ballet, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, I think similarly to what Tanya was saying, it's, it, it's a bigger company, so there are more people doing more jobs, but the scale is similar. Working at the ballet, I guess, was different because we were thinking ahead a lot more. Um, That's what I I guess I learnt to do. I was carrying 
you know, half a dozen productions in my mind that might be on in a year or five years time, if that was the leeway. It's different at Griffin when you're just working on the one or two, Mm. maybe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Working in a rep company when you are doing maybe rehearsing two shows during the day and then performing another one at night. It's relentless. Uh, but extraordinary, you know. You're really in it. That has to be your life when you when you're doing doing that sort of work. Maybe not so more now. Things are more regulated. But in the old days, when you got in, you know, early in the morning and you didn't get home till midnight, and you just kept going. I don't know how you did it, but mm. yeah. And so I understand you're the first to arrive and the last to leave as a stage manager. In in a venue like Griffin and Belvoir, yes, at the Opera House, of course, it's um, 24 hours. 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and there's always security cameras looking at yes. you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when you're doing this small to medium, like at Griffin, your stage manager's in the trenches, you know, they're in there with you doing the making of the show. And I think when you're doing large scale shows, just because it's so more departmentalised, everybody has their responsibility. And so the the stage manager becomes more of a a facilitator and a communicator. Um, So both have their Mm. um, appeals, you know, like Mm. large scale is is great. And, you know, but I, you know, also love to muck in and Mm. go, let's find the loop container for the blood you know because that's look what I did today it is funny because sometimes you just think what is this job that I'm doing Mm. I'm inside an elephant patching the thing because the puppet legs broken Mm -hmm. like in you know trying to see with your head torch and um you know you do do some really quite bizarre things Kim, I interviewed Sheridan Harbridge for another podcast in this Stables 50th series. Hers was about doing a solo show and in it she talked about not really being alone despite not having a scene partner because she had you, (laughs) her stage manager, to talk to uh, after the show about what worked and what didn't in that night's performance. Is that also part of your role as you see it? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I mean, we are the the people that see the show every night, and we are watching it. Um, we're not we're not asleep, um, and we've been with it since day one. So, we've been listening to what the director and the actor single in this case are hoping to achieve through the rehearsal process, and then um, providing some kind of guidance um, and some feedback. Not acting notes, obviously, or criticism, but just. Feedback, yeah, depending on what they need each night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Have you d- performed that role, Tanya? Yeah, some, some actors really like to talk about the show afterwards and one I did recently, I felt it was part of my job to actually go and have a drink with one of the actors that everyone else ran off and he really just needed someone to talk to after the show. So even though I didn't really want to have another (laughs) drink, I ended up at the bar with him having a drink. And and it was quite, you know, I mean, not not that it's a duty, but I felt that he needed that. It it was fine, but it it was an, I did take it on. I think that a lot of actors do need to decompress. You know, there's um, there's a real cost to the artist when they are inhabiting these worlds and humans, of, mm. um, and it's difficult. And I think a lot of people don't understand actually how much an actor takes on. And some really go there more than others. I mean, Sheridan and that play, that's a really big role to carry. And so you if you don't have an, a lifeline or someone, a friendly face that you can look at at the end, 
come back to yourself and, you know, talk about something. Maybe you just talk about the dog. Maybe you talk about the weather. You know, sometimes the role of the SM is not to talk about the show. <laughs> it's to bring you out of the show. And some people like to keep to themselves. But I've definitely had a lot of people who just want to have a touchstone of how, how did that go? Yes, it was, it was good. You were great. Well done. And the other thing as a stage manager is just all the different processes that actors go through in the rehearsal room. Some come very prepared. Others find their performance in the last week of rehearsal and you have to be patient or you have to press them or depending on what their process is. And similarly in performance, some people come in very early and just like to sort of sit there and chat, do the crossword together, have a cup of tea, talk about their dog, whatever. And other people, you know, you're always thinking, more oh, half hour call, they have to be here in two minutes or I'll get cranky. <laughs> so yeah, you, everybody's different and that's what's so great. And as Amy said, what actors go through and singers bearing their souls on stage and we're sort of also the protectors of mm. their souls because they're naked and they have to, yeah, have someone to help. You sound like wonderful people. <laughs> wonderful people to have as partners actually. <laughs> well, partners often don't see us very much. No, we would be bad. My husband, I don't know, I don't know how he, you know, it's just such a weird life and, and most stage managers finish doing this job much earlier than I have I just keep going but it's weird because often you have to be in the rehearsal room first thing in the morning and then you know you get home seven o'clock or something and then when you're in performance you've got a whole different timetable in your life so you're sometimes a morning person sometimes a night person Mm. what would you say is the most difficult show you've worked on Tanya I always try and forget these shows. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Um, I did a um, show that I don't really want to remember. It was called The White Devil. It was during the Olympic Art Festival. Just from the start of rehearsals, it seemed to have some sort of strange curse. It was a Jacobean revenge tragedy. (laughs) 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 And just everybody got sick and... We had just great turnover of cast and then we went into the theatre and dreadful things happened, like the follow spots blew up and the headsets never worked and I was calling it and there wasn't an assistant director and it was just awful. And, and everyone, and it was the women in the piece were treated very badly, you know, in the writing and so they were all weeping and it was just awful and then it was so good that we took it to New York and we did it all over again no. and I just thought oh. please <laughs> let this thing end. I'd be like, I'm, sorry, I'm going to Bali I'm not doing that oh, again no way. And, and everybody had meltdowns all the time oh. and and management just didn't help I don't know it was just an awful experience but you know I did go to New York, had quite a nice time in Brooklyn, <laughs> you know, and uh, several people in the company. I mean, I loved bits because you, you, it was like you were in a, I mean, not that I should um, downplay war, but every day there was some problem mm. and uh, you just hung on and um, and prayed for it to keep going. <laughs> oh, oh, when I just, every, every time, I just don't want to think about it because I just, sorry. all this, that, I'm sorry to ask you to bring it up. It pops into my head, what happened to that person? Yeah. And, uh, 
Kim, what was the most difficult uh, production you worked I think on? Nothing as terrible as time. No, I can't top no. that. No. I don't. I think I've been quite lucky. I mean, every every production that I've worked on has had difficulties, uh, and there have been some that have been more difficult, but none stand out. It's normally the uh, ones any that... incidents that have where things haven't gone according to plan. Uh-huh. Show stop. Show stop. Show stop. Show stop. Oh, show stop. Yeah. Like like fun. Is that when you stop the show? Yeah. yeah. What, why? And what circumstances? That's a whole stage management thing. How do you how do you do a show? And, stop? and why do you? And when do if you? It, there's a technical difficulty. Someone gets hurt. Someone in the audience has a heart attack. Any reason that you and that you have to make the choice. Mm. We cannot proceed. Mm. Often you'll just keep going, and there's something very drastic that's not right. Mm. But you just keep going. But there's some things that you can't um, you can't keep going. If and it's your call. And it's yeah. totally the stage manager's call. Mm. And you can't ask anybody. So you've had to do that? Oh, millions of times. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, tell well, me, not just, just give me times. one example. Ladies and gentlemen. Unforeseen <laughs> <laughs> circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, like when a revolve won't revolve and the whole production, like uh, Romeo and Juliet, I did it. At the Opera House. I was there that day. Oh, yeah. There you go. So you heard oh, my show heard stop. show stop. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a great show stop when I was doing um, a show in New York. Actually, it was called How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It was a musical. And we lost power halfway through the show. Like the whole theatre, not just us. The whole theatre went dark. Um, so like, okay, bring the show curtain in. So the, everyone was just like, who's? So it was pitch black. So I was like, all right, everyone on crew who's got a torch go find a who and just keep keep them and bring them to um the stage so everyone's sort of scattered and finding a who and kind of hooing people back into center um and we're now waiting for the venue to give us an update and then we came comes back and of course we've got like um, a house like two and a half thousand people so they're all dealing with that and then we're like okay the whole block's gone so mm. we have to evacuate you know, let the audience go. Then um, all the who's wanted to go get changed. No, not allowed to go get changed. So we, everybody went out in their um, giant costumes onto the street. And then I did a head count. And like 20 who's. Oh, I'm missing one. So I had to go back in pitch black. Um, we just had these weird kind of emergency lights going. And then I found one of my who's having a bloody shower. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Like, I'm Naughty. risking my tail coming in, crawling around trying to find you. And he's like, oh, I just thought it would be a bit sweaty in my costume. Like, nah, out. Um, yeah. So tell me what it's like when you uh, work in the bio box at, the, at Griffin and what that actually is. So the bio box is um, the space usually at the back of the house, uh, the auditorium, which the stage manager can see the show from, and that's where you operate the show. So you'll operate, in the case of Griffin, as you're a one-man band, you're doing lights, projections, sound, any time. If they want to rig something up, I've done um, a can drop, which is on a rope. You have to mm. kind of lean and pull a string at a certain time. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's always the interesting kind of things they'll run to the bio box. Um, so uh, it's kind of the brain of the um, theatre perhaps and then where the little ones in there operating it. So yes, Griffin's bio box is special. Um, it is tiny. Um, I feel like the first person, the first time you go in there you, you kind of go, 
okay, but where's the rest of it? Because mm. uh, you can't, you can't just be this. It's literally like um, one metre deep by like two and a half metres and the amount of tech, I mean, I don't know if, you know, if you've seen a Griffin show, like sometimes you do like six projectors um, and the lighting console and the sound mixing desk and everything else and plus you've got to try and find a tiny square metre, a square inch for your prompt copy So and a little tiny lamp that you're allowed you have to fight for that space and all the technicians keep trying to put more in like no, I must have space for my script and so that's yeah that's kind of where we where we call from and then because the space in Griffin is so tiny the audience's head you know you could lean out and touch them on the head if you need to um, so yeah actually the bio box it's not its own room realistically no. it's the last row of the auditorium <laughs> yes. with a false wall put between the yes. last two rows um, so yeah. we are Kind yeah, of there. There. Exactly. You're right. There. You, can, you can hear them breathing. And if you have to turn your page so quietly, mm. because especially if it's in a quiet moment, mm. and I would have to like add extra cues because I knew there was going to be a pause, and you can't turn your page in a pause because you'll hear it. Um, and uh, also the air conditioning is on the other side of the bio box, so that's fine in summer because the bio box gets seriously warm. With all that equipment in there With all and the not equipment. having air conditioning, it's very hot. Very hot. I used to get just sweat dripping down my back and I was allowed one tiny fan, but I'd have to turn the fan off for certain moments because the fan was too loud. So I'm like, oh, God, here we go. You're coming up, turn off fan. Damn it. Turn off my fan, sweat dripping down. Oh, great, fan on moment. Okay, here we go. Just like put it onto your head. So, yeah, she's special. And you're not the only person in there? Uh, we are during performances, but during production week, sometimes it's, it's very, very squishy, especially when it gets to preview performances, I think, uh, and equipment comes out of the box into the auditorium so designers can work during the day. When it goes back in, it's normally just before you're ready to open the house and let patrons in. And all you want to do is have a little bit of space and just look over your your book and check that the screens are, are right, but you've got two or three or four designers all also <laughs> trying to work on their own equipment at the same time. Like, wow. Get just, out! Half hour call! And so given that your role is so vital in the production of a play, do you ever feel overlooked? Yeah. Do you wish the spotlight shone no. on you sometimes? No, no. 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 We, wouldn't be, we wouldn't be doing this if we wanted to be performers. Mm. It's for someone who likes to observe mm. this job. And, and run things by the sounds well, of it. Well, observe and run things, but a really interesting mixture of stepping back, depending on the team, deciding how much you say mm. in public. Of course, you have to have order in the room and all that sort of announcements and things. That's your mouth. You're the mouthpiece. But it's a really interesting thing. But it's not about us. It's and not I think about that's us. That's the main thing. It's not about us. That's so right. You want to freak out a stage manager, tell them that you want them to go on stage. Oh my God. No that's thanks. one way to get them to run. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and some companies put a put costume on? I don't think no, so. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Some companies put you in the program with a photo, but I've avoided that for many, many years. Um, and I, I don't like being in the program with a photo in my biog. I just like being my name. And people in the business know who we are, you know. And that's all I need. I don't need anyone else to know who I am. What are the challenges, I guess, of stage managing in a place like that and what are the highlights? 
Oh, I love Griffin. I think um, Griffin is somewhat the, the beating heart of Sydney theatre. I think um, the, what, it, what it gives our community is enormous. The new work that's birthed there and the um, uh, amazing careers of artists that have started there is just incredible. So it's um, what it gives the community is amazing. In terms of, yeah, I mean, I guess, as I've said, um, stage managing there, yes, it's a challenge because you have to have, you're the captain of a lot of ships, but you're in there and you're making and you're part of it and you end up with the script at the end that is only there largely because of the contribution that you made and you stick it on the shelf and you know you're forever proud of those moments um so yes i have a deep love for griffin Hmm. i think what's great about working at griffin is that everyone really wants to um and you feel really really supported and really welcomed there um we had a a new staff member uh in the box office start recently and they've come across from a hospitality background rather than a theater background and they said what was surprising to them being in a customer service role was that everyone was really happy and everyone (laughs) really wanted to be there and i mean going to the theater it's not it's not a passive activity it's not something that you have on in the background everyone's there for a purpose and everyone wants to be there being a part of that is is kind of really great and really special and it makes putting in the effort worth it i guess mm-hmm. yeah that's lovely tanya i just remember seeing such wonderful plays at the griffin uh, uh, as an audience member being there for the in you know michael gow's away and so many plays that have become classics and the series of artistic directors that Griffin have ha- has had have all been such passionate people and it's, it is a really, really important theatre. Beautiful. Thank you so much. It's been a delight to talk to you all. Amy, Tanya, Kim, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. We don't get to talk about stage management much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Griffin's special podcast series where we're celebrating 50 years of the stables. For more anniversary activities, head to Griffin's website, griffintheatre.com.au.